Welcome to another episode of Banking Transform, the podcast that dives deep into the trends, innovations, and strategies shaping the future of banking. I'm your host, Jim Maroos. J.B. Orecchia, President and CEO of Savvy Money, joins me today on the Banking Transform podcast. Savvy Money is a leading provider of personalized credit education, scores, reports, and monitoring solutions. J.B. has over 35 years of experience driving innovation in financial services with a deep expertise in credit, data, and technology. In this episode, we explore Savvy Money's product roadmap, the convergence of credit education and personalization, the vital role of data, insight, and technology in modern banking, and the state of fintech and banking collaborations. We also discuss how generative AI is set to revolutionize credit solutions and the financial well-being across the entire banking ecosystem. Savvy Money operates on a business model focused on empowering consumers to make informed financial decisions. By offering actionable insights into credit management, debt reduction, and overall financial health, Savvy Money helps consumers improve their financial well-being while also assisting financial institutions in engaging and retaining customers. So before we dig into what's happening at Savvy Money, uh, JB, can you share a little bit about your extensive career in financial services? Yeah, thanks, Jim. Uh, great question. I think it, it it has shaped kind of my career along the way. And it, and it started kind of interesting in that my first job wasn't a space that I thought I'd be in. I thought I'd be doing what you're doing, which is, which is broadcasting, uh, but ended up taking a job at Household Finance was uh, was my very first job. So that's 35 years wow. ago. It was actually 8, 8 of 88 was my first day of work. Um, and I started as an assistant manager in the branch. And and uh, what, what was interesting about my career at Household was that back in those days, we did collections, we did loan approval, we knew how to read a credit report, we knew how to score people. We had a, actually had a manual scoring system for, for scoring consumers. And, and I really got a sense for consumers at that time because we spent a lot of time one-on-one. -on -one. We were out in people's living rooms across the kitchen table when they'd bring the box and dump their pay stubs and W-2s and you'd go through their finances, kind of get a good feel. You'd also get a good sense of, you know, who they were and, and what some of their goals were because you know, there's a human element that we'll talk about as we get farther into this that's super important in terms of managing uh, a consumer's financial life. Um, from house, I was 10 years at household, five years on the on the uh, running branches, and, and I eventually became branch manager, ran one of the largest branches uh, in, in um, the Bay Area, uh, and left to go work in the credit card division. While at the credit card division, uh, I ran a business called Enhancement Services. The Enhancement Services business was insurance, was yep. the various clubs, credit card registration. Uh, and one of our products was actually a credit product where you got sent the uh, your credit report in the mail. And so it was interesting. People would call up and say, I don't really understand how to read this. If you remember, Jim, the first credit reports were really confusing. Like you had to have like a decoder ring to kind of understand. Well, I, I read a whole report. lot of them when I was in banking because I worked in the credit area. So when installed alone here, I had to read them over and over. And you, you had to scan while not missing anything important, which was kind of difficult. Yeah. So 
you know, advanced to my 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 next career, which was freecreditreport.com and free credit score. I was one of the founding team members there um, and ran all of marketing, sales, and business development for that business for 10 years. Uh, we later sold that business to, to Experian, but we were the first to kind of pioneer credit reports over the internet, which which was at the time a really big deal because people be like, could you overnight that credit report to me? I need to see it. And then could you explain it to me? And so, oh, there's an aha moment like digital, right? The internet was just getting rolling at that time. And uh, it was an opportunity to show consumers their report and then explain their credit score. And so that was really the genesis of, you know, of kind of credit reports on the internet. Now, as everyone knows, freecreditreport.com wasn't free. It was uh, free to try. And all those businesses at that time were subscription services. And then along comes this little company called Credit Karma. Ken Lin, fantastic job of saying, he's like, huh, you know, I'm going to make it really free and I'm going to monetize through advertising. And, and most people know the Credit Karma story, fantastic product, um, uh, really drove their revenues through advertising. So when I started thinking about Savvy Money, I was like, you know, came out of the, the lending space. If you're a bank or credit union, do you really want your consumers going to karma and then losing them, right? And so I was like, hmm, there's a real opportunity here to build a business to support financial institutions so they can offer services like this to their, to their customer base and be able to provide that. And the other thing that I thought about, Jim, was that customer acquisition costs are expensive. Right to acquire consumers in the in the direct to consumer space, and so these banks and credit unions have a really great relationship already built up with their institution, but sometimes they're not really good at specific things. And so this area that we play really helps the bank or credit union build a a deeper relationship with their with their consumers. And so I'm almost 13 years into to wow. savvy money. Um, we're up to 1160 institutions, um, built a, gr a great culture here. We integrate with 40 digital platforms. And so, yeah, so I don't want to keep talking. So let's, let's <laughs> kind of move through your agenda, but, uh, we are having a blast. We're having a blast at Savvy Money and the, and the FIs we work with are absolute gems. It's like, it's really part of our culture here to, um, you know, our, our mission is we empower financial wellness through um, through partnership, right? And so, um, and, and the partnership really will, will unpack that, but it's truly a partnership with these financial institutions to help them build a deeper relationship with their, with their customers and members. You know, it's interesting because my son's first credit card was, was Discover. So I, I go back to your beginning as well. And, and he did it, a story I've told it a few times on the podcast. The story was we we're beginning the seventh inning of the Cleveland Indians game back when they were called the Indians and beginning of the seventh inning. He goes, you know, I got, I've had some friends. They've gotten some credit from, from Discover and they want to get a uh, credit card. And so I, he said, do you mind if I try it? I said, sure. So he got on his phone. And his first question was, you know, do I put down my monthly income because I'm working on a summer job or do I put it annualized what I make in complete year? I said, no, you put down your monthly and hope that they just multiply it by 12, even though you're only making that for, <laughs> for three months. Yeah. But the reality was just then I realized, okay, 
it's not as easy to understand how to maneuver credit. It is a deposit account, for instance. Well, what was also interesting, before the half inning was over with, he showed me his phone and he got approved. And so at that point, which is it's only five years ago, maybe six years ago, it was about the ease. It was about the simplicity of the process. It's about the integration yeah. of, of knowledge and the ability to get what you need at the time. But more importantly, it really was around the education during the process. And as you know, Discovery does a really good job. But today, when you talk about credit, it's a lot more people have credit as what I'll call their primary financial institution. That's how they define who their bank is, as opposed to a checking account, because they're not reg you know, regularly writing checks. You know, my son uses his Discover card and Venmo. Yeah, he has a bank account, but it's all in the background. But when you look at it, what's really important here is this engagement. And that's what's unique, what's happened in the last few years is the movement of financial institutions from wanting to have a great experience as a great experience can be, simplicity and uh, transparency and all those, to really trying to build engagement. That's what savvy money does, from what I understand, is that you really are building an ongoing dialogue, so to speak, with the consumer. But just as importantly, the financial institution has information. And, you know, we both go back to the days when financial institutions, one of their biggest parts of their business was the, the vendor relationship, the, the POS system at the retail. Well, they gave that up. And in the process, they gave up all that data, that transaction data. And it's gotten more and more difficult to capture that transaction data or to know where per customer is in a life cycle. So could you talk a little bit about how Savvy Money works with financial institutions to promote both financial education as well as financial wellness? Yeah. So first, you have to kind of figure out, well, where are you going to be? Where does the consumer want you to be? And so we're built into digital banking as a starting point. So when you log into any one of our 40 digital platforms that we're integrated with, we're a widget built right in and we're, we're, it's powered by Savvy Money, but our brand really takes a backseat to the financial institution's brand. Right. We're also built into mobile. You know, 75% of the users now are engaging on their mobile phone. You have to be in mobile. You have to have a good mobile, a mobile experience. Um, and really what is credit or credit score? Well, why is that even important, right? And, and really it's a means to an end, right? You're really trying to manage your credit in order to get the the best rates to save money, you know we um, uh, it, we have a little saying at Savvy Money. In fact, I trademark it. It trademarked it. It pays to be savvy, right? It pays to be savvy, right? And it does because the little things that you do along the way, whether it be budgeting or improving your credit or making different decisions on refinancing a loan to save another couple percent on interest rate, all that moves you closer to out of debt. And ultimately, you know, building your financial life, right? And so within the product, you, you hit on a keyword, and the keyword was engagement. If you have a static product that doesn't engage the user, then they're gonna look at it and they're gonna go, hmm, okay, that's interesting. Next, right? So we build in, first of all, advice. We break the score down into its parts. We look at everything that we're doing and we say, Jim, you're doing this right and you're doing this wrong. In fact, we've even got a simulator in there. Go, go see what happens when you, when you pay down your debt. Then we create action plans and we create goal setting, right? So 
people, there's almost a little bit of game mechanics. Think of it like a Fitbit for your credit. Yeah. I don't know if it still exists, but um, a Fitbit for your credit. And, and so what we see are those users that set goals and engage in the action plan, um, improve their score by a much larger margin than the, than those that don't. And so our challenge at Savvy Money is continuing to add financial wellness, different types of things that bring the user back in to track and to kind of manage their credit and, and really get behind winning. And so like when you reach a goal, we have confetti that goes down and it's, you know, I mean, it's cute, but it, but it's, but it's motivating and, and consumers feel like it's motivating. The other thing is we do personalization around offers. So if I'm managing my credit, that's great, but what does it get me, right? Like, what does it get me? So we actually show you, hey, if you did this balance transfer, this would be your payment, and this is exactly what you would save. Or if you consolidated credit card debt into a personal loan, or if you refinanced your car, like all of that is built into Savvy Money, very specific, so they can run the calculations and go through. And it's not in, a, in an environment where they feel like, that, you know, they're embarrassed or they are talking to somebody maybe at the branch, they can do it in the comfort of their own home and kind of see the results, right? And it's all with no impact to, to your credit. Uh, we also make the borrowing process easier by integrating into the loan origination systems. So why ask me for my name, address, social, date of birth, all that stuff? You already have it. So just ask for the incremental things that you need and populate that information Within, within the loan origination system. So we're trying to reduce friction on the borrowing process, make the understanding of your credit easy, give you specific things that you should be working on and doing in order to get better. So it's interesting because at a time when financial institutions are having a heck of a time trying to take data and insights and democratize it across an organization for different purposes, you actually help organizations in the process of what you're doing do that. I mean, when you have it embedded in a, in a mobile app, is it something that a person has to reach out to within the app? Or do you have communication that actually gets the consumer engaged where it's outward communication? So when I'm going to my mobile app, there's a notification on the top of my mobile banking app that says this, this, or yep. this happened. Which way do you provide it within a mobile app? And is it the same at every organization? Or some people want it to pay, take more of a backseat. Some people want it more front seat. So yeah, so when you log in, you'll actually see changes in your score. You'll see if your utilization rate went up, if there's an alert, like a credit monitoring alert, something that hit your credit. And we also show you offers based on your credit changing. So we would tell you, hey, you now have a new offer. It can save you X on refinancing this you know, credit card debt or whatever it is. All that is built into the application as well. So it's very interactive. It's not just this static score. We allow the consumer too to update their credit report every day if they want. So if you're gonna apply for a loan, you wanna see the most recent data that's that's in your credit before you apply and the, the most recent score as well. So the ability to not only interact with your platform, but also do your what ifs. The, the geez, if I do this, what will happen? That gives them control and it, and it also educates them. My, my son recently was a, uh, going to be making a major purchase. And uh, he he said, Dad, you know, I, I have my, my Discover card. I have another card. 
but I want to find out what card I can get. I need a $5,000 limit. I don't want it to impact my credit score negatively if they don't give me the amount I want. So I want to be able to know I'm going to get it. And where should yeah. I go? And I'm, I, I was stunned. I, so I, I, was, I was flabbergasted, I guess would be the right word, because I'm going, I'm not sure. And, and so I referred them to, uh, to, uh, uh, to Capital One and said they have a really yeah. good yeah. comparison app. But honestly, any organization that has savvy money would have good, been a good place to kind of test out the waters before he made the commitment. He ended up getting the credit from the the ring manufacturer itself which uh, was his purchase and he 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 was satisfied because he he could pay it down immediately but initially he wanted points he wanted these different things but to do those what ifs is something that really puts the control back to the consumer doesn't it absolutely yeah no um and in fact we have a ton of analytics and behavioral data too that we're tracking in the tool so we're not just enabling the consumer to do better with their finances we're enabling the financial institution to better serve their customer base as well. So we've got advanced analytics in the tool where they can see their members or customers that are improving, how many of them are improving, how many score bands are they actually moving. And we can we can communicate with those consumers and say, Jim, congratulations, you just moved to a new level. Come back in and check your offers because your offers, offers have changed. Um, so that's that's insightful. We also show where the users are borrowing so and market share over time. So you can see how many auto loans you have relative to the other lenders that your consumers are borrowing from because we get the complete financial picture when we pull credit. Right. That type of benchmarking data and information back to the FI is very telling because a couple things that you see is one, if you go into various credit bands, I would see, shoot. Cap One, Ally Financial, and Santander is getting a bunch of my business. I maybe need to think about my risk-based pricing a little bit because these are my members if I'm a credit union. Right. And I need to do a better job of making sure that wallet share, I have as much wallet share. And then I can also look at the click data to see that, you know, Jim was poking around in that consolidation loan or that auto loan. So now we do follow-up campaigns right? Or would you like to talk to somebody about this? We'd be happy to help you. The conversion rates on those oh, re on that retargeting is phenomenal, right? Because the person's raised their hand, maybe they haven't applied. We know which ones apply and which ones are just kind of browsing or looking. So that's super insightful data for the financial institution. And then how are my rates relative to my peer group? And so am I charging more or less? And so we track the interest rates so the ones where we where we have accurate data, auto loans, yep. mortgage, yep. that kind of thing. Credit cards a little harder, um, but if the consumer's entering that data in, you can get an idea. Um, and then the click data will tell you if people aren't clicking on these offers, but other institutions are getting these clicks, then hmm, maybe I'm not maybe I'm not competitive, right? right? Maybe I'm not competitive. Or if all of this business is going to Citibank. I probably need to take a look at my loyalty program or, or, you know, with that specific consumer, maybe, maybe my transactors need a, a different credit instrument because they're really not borrowing as much. They want the points. So what kind of insight sharing do you have between your organization and the financial institution? Is this something that the consumer signs up for ahead of time that this information is transferred between, or is it kept separate or how does it work? Because everything you just brought up, brought up, really good series of questions in my mind as to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you, so, you're actually um, having 
more transactional and information data than the bank's probably getting on their normal business relate or their normal consumer relationship. That's right. That's right. So when a consumer opts into Savvy Money, they're saying, yes, I want to check my credit for personal use. And yes, I want to be pre-qualified for offers based on my credit data, right? And so that's the permissible purpose around the data. Um, And it's really a value to the consumer, right? So the FI controls how much communication, what they want to do. We don't share that data with anybody else. Um, In some cases, we may help. We may share with the digital banking provider, provided the FI wants to do that. And they want to leverage that for marketing within other areas of of the uh, digital experience. So yeah, so we and 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 the analytics part of our product that the FI has access to is all included in the savvy money package. It's not extra. So one thing that we're doing is yes, we want to help your 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 customer base. We also want to help you, financial institution. Right. We want to give you the tools because this stuff's hard, and we want to make it easy. Um, we provide a tremendous amount of marketing resources. Um, there's 7,000 pieces of marketing. We create marketing that fits right within the digital platform. We've got how-to guides, best practices. We do uh, monthly or quarterly best practices calls where other FIs come on and share like, we did this with Savvy Money and this is crushing it or this is working well. And so those types of things really help other institutions. In fact, when we do our best practices calls, we get about 400 participants each time, right? That's a that's a that's lot. Really We're getting good. Yeah. You know, 2,000 logins into the marketing hub where everyone's leveraging these digital assets because we're trying to teach them to fish. We can't always do it all for them. We got to like- You're helping with their final mile, which is so important. I mean, I, I talk about this often when we have podcasts or, or webinars with service providers. I said, you know, you have a great product, but so many organizations really fall flat when it comes to that final mile because while it's great, they haven't really figured out how to present it to the consumer, present it to the small business, whatever it may be. And if you don't help with that, then you know your 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 solution's always at risk because you're not generating the revenue that's potentially there. So Yeah. So Jim, in addition to tracking everything that the user's doing, and, and part of the reason we do all that tracking is that we want to increase engagement. Yeah, we want right. to see what things we're doing well and what things we're not doing well, right? And we want to continue to get that feedback from the consumer. And we have a lot of work to do. I, I mean, we have a long list of how we're going to personalize that more and that that experience more. But back to the financial institution, we also monitor the functionality of analytics, of the marketing hub, of all the various areas. And if we see that a financial institution isn't using market shares and downloading campaigns or isn't doing things, we track all of that. So then the, the partner manager gets a list and they see oh, you know, ICCU credit union, ooh, they're logging in all the time. Like, this is good. Let's talk to them about why they're using all these things and what they love about it and how can we get better. But then for the ones that aren't logging in, we reach out to them and we say, hey, can we help? You know, can we help you with, do you maybe not know how to use it? Let me let me set up a time to do a demo on how you get the most out of this tool or watch this video. And, and so we send that out to all the folks that aren't leveraging that feature. So when you, when you you talked about your product roadmap a little bit and, and touched upon the fact that we're not at the finish line yet by any means, 
what yeah. what does some of that what does the rest of the race look like for you in your mind today given what the environment is what what does your product roadmap look like and what do you what are you kind of looking at in the future as much as you can share yeah yeah i'll try and i'll share some things i don't want to you know share everything yeah. but i'll but i'll share what i can one one product you talked about capital one and your son applying for that 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 one loan and it doesn't impact your credit that's a one and done situation right when 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 he does that well we have a product now called get my rate which is basically you go in and you get pre-qualified and let's say the rate comes back and you're like eh, i don't really love that rate so then we send you down a path of like okay if you work on your score and get it to be a little bit better like then we'll notify you uh, when that rate's better let's say you get turned down completely so we don't have a you know, a feeling it's savvy money it should be no, it should be not now. And you need to work on these things. And when you get there, we're going to notify you because you're not going to check your credit or be going to cap one every day and logging in. But we're updating your credit data every week. We're telling you, Jim, you need to work on these things. And if you work on these things, there's a good chance you're going to get to a level and we'll be able to notify you when you qualify for uh, for the product. So, so I mean, it's, you 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 got to have gamification. You have financial wellness education in the most tactile way. So it's not like oh, you know, all these theories and everything. It's really about their situation more than anything else. It's a highly right. personalized, and and it's it's engaging from the perspective that a person doesn't have to log in to find it out as much as you'll tell them what things are going on, which, yeah. which those all, you know, those are the keys that financial institutions lost. I think when they lost all the, the deposit service transactions that now come out in every way, shape and form, but they don't have access to all that data. So for instance, when, when a consumer uh, test drives a car, there, there's usually a, a, a ding on their credit bill because they want to make sure that the person's not going to drive away with a car and, without bringing it back. But do you provide organizations insights into here's potential car buyers that are out there shopping? Not yet. We are exploring that, though. That is on that is on the roadmap to link into an FI's car buying service. And then they could basically take their pre-qualified offer and, and then go over to the car buying service and take a look at that. So that is something that we're looking at. But we haven't implemented that yet, but, but it's but it's a great idea to link those two things together for sure. So anything that has to do with data has to do with credit and financial wellness. You hope to get your, your hands into on behalf of your partners. That's right. Yeah. So we also display if you're not in the credit score product, we see about a 36 to 40% adoption. Some institutions are at 60% adoption of their digital banking users, um, which means that leaves a part of the population that, doesn't have the the credit score product right. so we're able to display pre-screens to those people in the digital experience and and show them the pre-screen offers that the fi ran on those people because they know which ones are in credit score and they're leveraging right. the credit data there and if they don't have it they can run their own campaigns and then we digitize that so we'll show multiple creatives it within our analytics tool we track impressions landing page we personalize the landing pages all the way down to filling out the app so you know where all your drop-offs are in the funnel. So it's really kind of an end-to-end -end marketing solution as well that the financial institution can leverage their digital marketing within digital banking all through Savvy Money. How long does it take a consumer to get to be part of Savvy Money? 
the consumer? Yeah. Two seconds. It's simply a push of a button. <laughs> Check the box and boop. Well, well, I, I asked that because we assume we know those answers. You know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I assume that every financial, you know, when we did surveys. And we, have, and we have some FIs now that the ones that have really embraced the, the analytics, mm-hmm. they've decided to move to what's called auto-enroll. So auto-enroll is you sign up for digital banking, your savvy money terms are embedded in right. the digital banking. Yeah. And, and so 95% of the people end up getting getting the product automatically. One of the things that we were nervous about when, when we decided to do that, would engagement be less with those people than the ones that opted in? And we haven't seen that. And part of the reason is we've done a good job of communicating the value proposition. And we need to continue to do that of monitoring the consumer and making sure that they're leveraging all of the assets. Specifically, yep. if in your in your credit band or in your situation, there's a feature within Savvy Money that you're not using. We need to say like X number of users that use this feature, right? See their credit score improve 20 to 40 points or whatever whatever that number is. You know, you need to be doing that because there's a little FOMO that you need to leverage of like, hey, I'm not doing this. Other people are doing it and they're improving. Like you need to, you need to communicate that to the consumer. The other is around personalization of financial advice. We work, we work with Jean Chatsky now for 11 years, I guess. Um, and she writes a lot of our content. And so you can tell someone utilization, you need to reduce your utilization. Great. I, I don't have enough money to reduce my utilization, right. right? Well, how do I do that? And so what type of, of specific prescriptive advice and content can you give them to better manage their finances or budget or save or whatever it is you need to do. Very prescriptive content that gives them an action plan to kind of like, oh, okay, these are things that I should be working on in order to get better so I can build up that nest egg to pay down that credit card debt or whatever it is. So you, you kind of touching upon a subject that's the next one on my list of things to talk about, which is generative AI. I don't think we can have a discussion about banking without talking about that or any industry right now yeah. without talking about that I'm, somewhere. I'm, so excited about this. What topic. is the potential to revolutionize credit solutions overall, but even more specifically, Savvy Money's credit solutions with regard to using generative AI and, and ChatGPT type functionality within your offering? Yeah. So um, it's on the roadmap for next year. Uh, we've already started looking at it um, without sharing all the, all the details. Um, so large language module, LLM, I'm sure you're familiar with yep. that, is really taking... AI based on the proprietary data you have. You know, ChatGBT, one of the issues with that, right, is it becomes public domain. But how do you take public domain and the private data and get those things to work together to have very specific solutions to that consumer? Now, you don't want to take the human element out of it, but you definitely can shortcut the amount of work and the more data that you have, whether it be transaction data, consumer sentiment, how they feel about things, what's their specific situation. Now you can better plan or provide a roadmap to that consumer and give them great advice. I'm super excited about it because this stuff is hard, right? And and the more you can personalize that experience, the better it's gonna be for the consumer or enable a financial counselor to actually have the roadmap and then, and then you can take it to personalization. So whether you're 
integrating into, um, you know, an Entropy or a Glia or one of these, yep. you know, yep. uh, uh, services, which I'm sure you're familiar with, like, how do you provide part of that through AI and then, and then tee that up to a representative that, you know, can use that as talking points or roadmap. And then you ensure that you're actually saying and, and, and providing the right advice. You know, there's, I had a recent podcast, actually it was my only two-parter ever with a person by the name of Brian Romley. And what we started to talk about in the second part of the episode was the fact that, you know, ChatGPT combined with, you know, institutional data can allow the technology to actually build a communications platform that's individualized. So you, you have your own concierge, your financial concierge for, in this case, yeah. credit. But more so, it can store questions you've asked it, maybe what content you've downloaded or read, your your wh- how you've achieved your your goals and how you've yeah. done your what awards you've received, and keep that independent for each consumer to the point where every future conversation references what's happened in the past, which today is virtually impossible to do. But as you said democratizing that and making it available to all your your advisors, your customer care people, your branch people, for instance, and say, by the that's way, right. uh, we see you're only, you know, you're a couple steps away from your your ultimate goal on credit. You know, that's pretty exciting. You know, is there something else we can do for you? And what, what's interesting, we we get scared about the privacy issue and, and privacy and personalization, you know, balancing each other out. But the reality is, most consumers in every study that we've done and we've done in the marketplace, we find that consumers have no problem with privacy if you give them value in return. In other words, right. they're concerned about it, but they open the doors more if they're going to get something out of it. That's why we pay $130, $140 a year for Amazon is that they do really well with the data they have on me and make my life easier. So, you know, I think, you know, in in your solution specifically, the integration of generative AI in, in development of content, in the development of solutions, and in, in helping people along their path individually is astoundingly exciting. I mean, it's just, yeah. it opens brand new doors that we only thought were possible before November 30th of last year. So we will really need to test it though. Yeah. Like really oh, yeah. look at what the advice is because um, at least in our current model, we can we can double check everything. And so yep. we'll need to look at those outputs and look at every every situation where it's presented that information and make sure that we're giving the consumer the right advice. Yeah. So it's not it's not a tomorrow thing. Like this no. is gonna be like we we got to spend some time on it yeah. to get it right. But, but you know the reality is you're already using AI to develop solutions and to develop a a, a journey a journey journey map overall. Sure. It's just a matter of saying yeah. how can I amp that up a little bit. So so yeah. let's take a short break here and recognize. We'd like to thank our sponsor Microsoft. See how Microsoft can help unlock new opportunities at speed and scale through innovative business processes, delivering differentiated customer experiences across channels, innovating new products and services, and redefining new ways of thinking. Find out more at Microsoft.com backslash financial services. It's the sponsor of this podcast. Welcome back to Bank and Transform. So today I'm joined by JB Orecchia, President and CEO of Savvy Money. We've been getting an insider's view into Savvy Money's product roadmap and how data, insight, and technology are impacting financial wellness and driving engagement. 
So JB, you know, we talked a lot about the f- the foundation around um, savvy money and its impact on financial institutions that you're partnered with, but a couple of foundational questions that we didn't cover. Number one, what does this cost the consumer? Zero, completely paid by the financial institution. Good answer. Yep. Number two is once a consumer gets engaged, I, I understand the dynamics of dialogue back and forth, but how much flexibility does the financial institution have with regards to how much you communicate to their consumer? Yeah. So in the product itself, the financial institution can control how many loan products they want, if they don't want any, and they just want to provide financial advice, all the messaging, everything that's marketed to the consumer is all controlled by the FI. So when we build the site, it's all in the, in the FI's hands. And so when the partner manager works with the FI, we talk about their goals, we talk about what they want to accomplish. And any other communication in terms of offers is all controlled by the financial institution. They control that frequency. Now, the one thing that we do do is we do send alerts if something happens on their credit file or something like yep. that. And if the yep. consumer decides they don't want that, they can turn that off. Okay. Now, this seems like mom and apple pie to me. It, it seems because you're helping the financial institution work with their data better, you drive better credit decisions, you drive better engagement with their customers and members, but not everybody says yes. Why would an institution say no to your solution? What What is the biggest roadblock to actually having this turned down at a financial institution? Yeah, so there are a couple things. One is uh, priorities within the institution. Um, and them not realizing that this actually fits right in with them achieving their goals. And so sometimes it's an education. You know, in the early days, it took a while to convince financial institutions that this was a good idea. Uh, The early days of the sales process took a while. And you know how fast financial institutions move. Um, And and so what happened was once there there was enough success in the market, it kind of really picked up. Uh, that's why we're at 1160 institutions, right? And so, um, so that that was that was a big part of it. And the other is, do they believe in the cost relative to the ROI they're going to get from it? And the ROI comes in a number of formats, right? So the ROI is one, um, the loans they're going to produce, or we're now marketing a ton of deposit products, right? So we've we've actually moved in this current higher interest rate environment to helping financial institutions with deposits. Uh, So that's one consideration. The other is when you look at the data and a number of our FIs have went in and looked at the savvy money consumer versus non-savvy money consumer, and they're four to five times as profitable. So then you're going, wait a minute, is this causation or correlation? Checking your egg, exactly. I believe it's both. I believe it's both because the engagement drives the behavior. It's, It's right there for the consumer. So I think we're doing that. But I also think your best consumers gravitate gravitate towards the product. And so so there's that. Improvement in the consumer's credit is good for both parties because it's reducing the risk of the financial institution because now my membership or my customers, right, are less likely to go delinquent because we've now put financial tools in front of them that are really helping them better manage their finances. So we're, we're lifting kind of the, the, the consumer up and therefore affecting the balance sheet because not as many consumers are going to link with. And I would imagine in the same sense, if they have to make a decision between who to pay next month, they're most likely going to pay the organization that's helping them with their credit than simply being yeah. a product. 
And and so, you know, in the final set of this dynamic of conversation on, you know, the foundations around this product, how important is, is it for organizations to actually market what you're doing? You know, we, we talk about great solutions that never get marketed. Yeah. I mean, you obviously provide a lot of tools to make it relatively turnkey. But do you find a difference between institutions that really actively market and and get their customer in front of this versus those that just are passive about it? Yeah. So if they're passive, if they just put the widget inside digital banking, we know what the adoption rate is going to be. Um, but if they actively market the product, uh, we see a big lift in terms of in terms of adoption. And a number of FIs have have signage in their branches where wear t-shirts to sign up for the product. I mean, they've really kind of leaned in. Some have even named it their own credit name um, in order to kind of embrace it as a a financial institution. So we help them with that. We don't force it. We help them with that. And and if they want to be passive marketers, they can be. But if they want that assistance, all those tools are there. And I think what happens is over time, the comfort level increases with the ability to do it. Because what they start to realize is the benefits to the institution of all the other products and services. And and the consumer's happy, right? They feel like they're getting value. And so that's an important aspect of it. The other thing from a marketing standpoint around this personalization idea is that consumers are bombarded with offers all the time. So you wanna be selective in terms of what you market to the consumer. So leveraging that data leveraging retargeting, looking what the consumer is doing, having a good idea of of what works allows you to space out that marketing and be very targeted with what you market to them so that you don't get fatigue. So when we look at the future here and we look at both the future of financial wellness as well as credit and engagement of financial services, what excites you the most about what may happen in the future that really it is game changing from the perspective of what you're providing financial institutions today. Yeah. So two, two areas, we touched on it a little bit is the ability to humanize and personalize the advice based on that person's situation, really get into, you know, you're a 600 and you're a 600, but you guys are 600 for different reasons. Right. This person might be unorganized. This person might have a hard time meeting their financial needs. And, and really empathizing and having a product that provides the right tools, the right resources, access maybe to a financial counselor or coaching or whatever it is, we need to make sure that this product continues to evolve and feel like a coach and feel like it's really personalizing that experience down to the resources that I need in order to be successful. So that's one thing. The second is really around uh, automated marketing because the more data you have and the ability that you have to leverage that data and, and having the dependent variable of the closed loan or the deposit or maybe ultimately an insurance product or investments, we're, we're exploring all these different things. Um, having the ability to see that, you can, you can begin to be much smarter and execute campaigns based on the needs of the financial institution, even to the point where the financial institution should have dials of where um, we, we had a recent situation. I'll give you an example. We turned on auto-enroll. We talked about auto-enroll. Yep. And, and the financial institution was like, this is great. Um, it was driving so many loans that they had to turn it off. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, Savvy Money's almost too successful. 
And, and so in that case, what we probably should have done was said, well, let's keep an eye on this and let's make sure and drive products to the products for you as a financial institution are going to get you the most yield as well, right, for your institution. If you have unlimited, you know, lending resources, then that's a different situation. But we have to allow a little bit of dials within the system to direct it towards what's going to help the financial institution achieve their goals. You know, it, it's interesting because there's so many dynamics on credit. I I interviewed a, a person, she's, it's before my podcast, so probably seven years ago in Poland, that actually had access to credit on the mobile banking app as part of the, the, the front screen. So in other words, every person who was a customer found out they had so much credit available at any time they wanted, simply by pushing a button. What was interesting, they didn't set a limit. So it could have been only $50 or $100, the, the Polish equivalent, or it could be significantly more. But it made it so that they had an advantage only over any other financial institution with regard to, I'm on your side. If you need me, here we are for you. That was a really cool tool, but it was one of those engagement tools that you always saw it. And the ability to see that amount going up and down kind of told you how you're doing in the marketplace. But again, what you're providing here is you're providing a service for the consumer more than anything else to become more informed as to where they are. And you're providing the financial institution the ability to communicate with those people based on where they are. And a lot of times, you know, I use the example of when uh, the government um, gave out COVID checks. We never knew where they were actually going or if they stayed with a financial institution because few financial institutions tracked where they went. But at the same time, most financial institutions allowed people to forego loan payments. And very few financial institutions understood were they foregoing these loan payments because they couldn't pay for tomorrow's meal or because they were saying, I need to put away a savings account to look out for the next time something like this happens. This information accessed by a financial institution always and being able to see the flows over time is something that most financial institutions don't have access to outside of this. You know, it's it's very hard to do that, especially with new customers, how you can do it. So yeah, ben benchmarking is a, an important thing as well, right? Telling a financial institution where they're doing well, where they're not doing well, and they can make the decision on how they want to compete in that category. But providing that information is super powerful for them as well, because it's their consumers that they're trying to serve. Yep. And they need to see where they're going, what they're doing, and, and how they're in, engaging with their products and services and make changes if they're not seeing the engagement. Great conversation, JB. I really appreciate your time. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about Savvy Money? Uh, go to SavvyMoney.com. There's a, there's a partner with Savvy Money link. Fill out a form and, and uh, send it in and the team will respond immediately. JB, great to talk to you. Great to shoot the breeze. It was probably as informal as any podcast I've done a long time from the standpoint is that I was learning more and more every time and, and wasn't as familiar with some of the nuances of what you're doing. But it, it, it's exciting because I have the feeling that virtually any size organization can part with, partner with you. By the way, one, one last question I forgot. How long does it take for a financial institution to implement savvy money once they say yes? So it, it varies based on the financial institutions, how many resources they have to kind yep. of put on it. It's super simple. We build the site in probably a couple of days. Um, so the site's built and the FI can start testing it in terms of the credit feature. The longer process generally takes a couple weeks after that to load in all their financial offers because you think about all the credit bands and all the various rates 
And so if all you wanted to do is launch credit score, we do that in a snap. We're integrated in 40 digital platforms. That's all ready to go. All the SSOs are in place. Um, and so it's really around getting a, a tight marketing plan around the, the offers. It takes a little bit of time, but it's generally three weeks, no more than 30 days for the FI to test everything, make sure their compliance and legal is looked at at all. And so it's, I mean, honestly, it would probably take a week if the FI had time to just spend time on on Savvy Money. Great to talk to you. It's a great, it's a great solution from my perspective without knowing the dollars and cents of it, but that's what financial institutions have to, to work with. But it's interesting because you really run side by side with the financial institutions, credit side, the marketing side, all this to try to get down the field. It benefits everybody to get down the field quickly. Right. It benefits obviously savvy money. It benefits the financial institutions, but most importantly, it benefits the consumer or member around getting a solution that really helps educate them on being better stewards of their money. And, and you know, it, it it makes it so there's more personalized and more direct in communications as well. So, JB, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much, Jim. Thanks for listening to Banking Transform, the top podcast in retail banking and the winner of three international awards for podcast excellence. We appreciate the support we have received to make this endeavor a success. If you enjoy what we're doing, please take some time to show some love in the form of a review. Finally, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and the research we're doing for the Digital Bank Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our senior producer, Leah Haslidge, audio engineer, Chris Fafalias, and video producer, Will Fritz. If you've not already done so, remember to subscribe to Bank and Transform on both your favorite podcast app and on our new YouTube channel for more thought-provoking discussions on the intersection of finance, technology, and leadership. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, keep innovating and transforming. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.